Um, we're going to keep on uh, travelling in the same direction we have been for the last six, seven weeks, where we've been looking at Luke chapter 4. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. And so we're just going to keep walking down that pathway and, and, uh, until we exhaust that journey. But uh, right now, I still feel like we're in that journey and we're still... Having a look at that, if you haven't been following it or you haven't heard the preceding messages, which kind of are all linked in together, you can go onto iTunes, you can have a look at that. But uh, we started out looking at filled and we spent a few weeks on, on looking at scriptures about us being filled with the Spirit. I want everybody that has repented and given their heart to Christ, I want you to believe uh, and accept the fact that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, not, not second-guessing yourself uh, waiting for some other experience, waiting for some feeling or something like that. Uh, we are filled, as far as I can see, reading the Word of God, that uh, Paul goes so far in Romans as to say, if, you're not, uh, if you don't have the Spirit, then you're not His. That's how intricately Paul linked your salvation with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He said, if you, do not, if you, if you want to sit there and say you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's akin to saying, I don't belong to God. Now, that's, that's Paul's theology. That's what Paul understood. And I think Paul probably knows a little bit more than I do and a little bit more than the different doctrines I've heard over the years. Uh, and if we go into the Word of God, I think it's pretty clear to me anyway that if you have repented and you have turned your heart over to Christ and you've invited him into your life, then the Holy Spirit came with that. The batteries were included in the, in the gift. Okay, You didn't get the gift and then unwrap it at Christmas Day and have no power in it, the power of God is the Holy Spirit within us, and uh, the batteries were included in that gift when you were given salvation. So we spent a few weeks looking at that, and then we moved on to being led by the Spirit. We've been looking at uh, Jesus being led by the Spirit, and he was led into the wilderness. And uh, we spent a couple of weeks looking at that. What does that mean? What a strange place to be led. It's not a place that any of us want to be led into, but I think at different times of our life, we're all led in there at various times and various seasons of our life. And the wilderness is a very powerful place. And if Jesus was led there, I think there's a bit of a pattern there. We're led there too. There are some things that happen in the wilderness in regards to our own faith, our own understanding of God. And uh, when we're in that wilderness place, that's when our real faith comes to the surface or lack thereof comes to the surface. And so Jesus was taken into a wilderness and Jesus uh, came out the other end of that experience and the Bible says that he was empowered by the Spirit. So we want to get on to talking about being empowered by the Spirit, but I want to stay on being led at the moment because we began last week to look at ways that God leads us. And I'm not trying to comprehensively talk about how to hear the voice of God. We're not going through the Bible and trying to cover all our bases when it comes to hearing the voice of God. What I'm talking about is just the basics of being led by God as New Testament believers. And last week we looked at the number one way I believe that God leads us, and it's through His Word. It's through the Word of God. The Bible, the Word of God, is a massive highway. And if we would spend our time actually just doing what we already knew to do, we would be amazed at how our Christian experience and our Christian life would come alive. But many of us are not doing what we already know to do, but we're asking God for answers to questions uh, in terms of his unknown will of God. We want to do things over here, but God's going, you know what, if you would just at least start doing this, then you would find that some of those answers would come quicker to you and they would crystallize and you would know the way that you should go. Uh, Acts chapter 16 is the text we've been looking at where Paul and his missionary friends were going off on a journey and the Bible says they were going in this direction and the Spirit forbade them. So they decided to go over here and the Spirit forbade them and they went here and the Spirit stopped them again. 
And eventually Paul has his vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come to us. So Paul takes that to his companions and says, I've had this vision. And it says that they, they came to the conclusion that God must be calling them over there to Macedonia to preach the gospel. And last week we looked at the first thing, that the primary way God leads us, and that is by his word. Why were they trying to get into Asia? Why were they trying to go to Bithynia? Why were they trying to go to these places? It was based on one thing, the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So they just did the stuff they already knew to do. And we talked last week about the importance of us as New Testament believers doing the stuff we already know to do. And if we would just start doing the things we already know to do, I think we would start to encounter the second way that God leads us or the the, the other way that God leads us. And I think that is he leads us into his known will by his word and then he leads us into his unknown will by his spirit. The Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us through life. We're not orphans. Jesus said, he didn't just dump us here and give us a rule book. If, 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 this, if it was just all about rules, then Jesus would never have had to have come. When Jesus went back up to heaven, he would not have sent the Holy Spirit to us. He would have just chucked a manuscript down. But he didn't chuck a manuscript down. The Bible says he sent his spirit. He said, it's so important for me to go because I need to send my spirit to you. Then in John 14 and John 16, we have all these amazing things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would, would, would uh, do for us, do in us, and do through us. And so he leads us by his word. But what's interesting in Acts 16 is it's as they're doing what they already knew to do, they received more specific instruction and were guided by spirit in various and different ways. In John John chapter 16, I just want to have a quick look. A couple of verses, John 16. Get my glasses on here. In John chapter 16, verse 13 to 15, it says this, if I can... Get my pages to work. John 16, 13 to 15, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. In other words, he's going to take you somewhere, and he's going to take you to a place where you're going to find truth. We talked last week about John chapter 8. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. What's interesting is the truth that he says he's going to guide you into is truth that's going to set you free. He's going to guide you into truth, guide you into places, take you spaces that are going to be for your benefit, for your good, for your growth, for your maturity, for your freedom. That's where he wants to take you. The Holy Spirit's going to take you to truth. And Jesus said the truth that you know is going to set you free. So the journey of us as believers is going from bondage to freedom. It's God taking us from sickness to health. It's God taking us from chaos to order. It's God taking us from a mess over here and making something beautiful and wonderful out of our life. And Jesus said, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to guide you into that truth. I'm going to lead you there by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God on the inside of you that's going to lead you to that space and it's going to lead you to that place. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he'll tell you things to come. Let me just say something here. My God's not a gossip. My father doesn't gossip about me. Okay? I'm amazed how many people feel like they they, they have the word of God for every other person in the world. But they don't know what God's saying to them. Yet my Bible's very clear. Jesus said, the Spirit will guide you into truth. And the truth you're guided into will set you free. So God is speaking to you about you. The Holy Spirit is wanting to lead you into truth to set you free. He's not sitting there gossiping about everybody else in the church world and telling you everyone else's problems. Ever been in meetings? I was sitting with a, a pastor a few weeks ago up the Gold Coast and I'm sitting there across the table and I just, he was an older guy, been around a lot longer than me. 
Um, and I knew him from many, many years back, so I thought I heard that he'd, he'd suffered a bit of burnout in his life. So I thought, being a young guy, I love asking older people questions and learning stuff. So I sat opposite him and I said, look, tell me, what were the signs in, in you know, you've, you've burnt out and you've just shared that. Tell me some of the signs. How did you get there? What, what are the roadblocks? What are the things to look for? And, so, and I could tell he sat back on his chair and he squinted his eyes and looked at me. We used to have a term for that years ago in YWAM called reading your mail. Anyone ever heard that term? Some people look at you, it's like they're reading your mail. And I just wanted to go, Pfft. My father's not a gossip. He's not going to sit there and gossip to you about me and tell you all the... What's he saying to you about you? What is the Spirit of God saying to you about you? Because he said that he would guide you into all truth and it's truth that will set you free. So what is he saying to you? Stop running around telling everybody else in the world what God's saying to them. The Spirit of God is speaking to you about you. So what's he saying to you? And this is what Jesus said. He'll guide you into all truth. It'll be truth that will set you free. But he's guiding you, he's leading you. And how do we get led and how do we get guided? It's the Holy Spirit that's guiding us and that's leading us. He says he won't speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he'll tell you. And he'll tell you things to come. In other words, he's going to take the the, the word of heaven for you. And he's going to translate that word of heaven into a language that you understand. Amen? He's going to take kingdom language and he's going to break it down to carcassite. That's Kathy Carcass here last night. He's going to speak Carcassite to you because you are of the Carcass clan and he will speak Kathy Carcassite to you because you'll understand Carcassite, you know? Del. Del's sight doesn't sound as exciting, but he'll speak Del's sight to you, Del, because he knows how you listen, he knows how you learn, he knows how you comprehend, and so he will speak to you in a language you want to see. A bit like the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls. And what does the Bible say? People there from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And what's the first thing the Holy Spirit did when he came? He glorified God. But the Bible says that the crowds were amazed, saying, they're speaking in our languages. In other words, he's speaking in a language that you can understand. Sometimes when it comes to being led by God, I think we freak out. We feel like we've got to, you know, we've got to strive and strain and, and, and it becomes this almost impossible thing to do. Just relax. Your father's speaking to you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. He actually loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not against you. He's for you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and he's interpreting the language of God and he's trying to lead you to good places and take you to good places and help you make good decisions and good choices and, 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 and move into a realm of fruitfulness and growth and maturity. That's what he's trying to do. I bumped into a guy, I was at the beach yesterday and uh, Tim was down there and there was this big African guy there and I, whenever I see foreigners from Africa or Asia, I'm just kind of drawn to wanting to talk to them. Maybe it's my missionary background. And so I went over to this guy and we're chatting for a while and anyway, he mentions he's from Sudan. So of course he's from Sudan. I know used to work with guys in, in, in India who'd come across from Sudan. They came from Africa to India and became Christians in India um, and then uh, would inform us on the whole Sudanese situation. It was a very messy situation for Christians in Sudan years ago. This guy yesterday told me it's levelled out a little bit. But he was from Sudan, and so then he tells me he's from... I ask him, are you from North Sudan or South? Because I know North Sudan, Sudanese people are more uh, Muslim, and South Sudanese are more Christian. Where are you from? And the conversation goes on, and more and more he talks. I'm thinking, okay, this could be a God moment here. This will be fantastic. And then we start talking about work and that, and then he mentions study, and by that stage, Tim's over with me. And we say to him, well, what were you studying? And he goes, oh, I was studying uh, divinity. And, and I thought, damn, he's already saved. Anyway... It was all good. Anyway, this, this big Sudanese guy, and he, was, he, he goes to an Anglican church up here in Ganelva, a lovely man called Gabriel. But one of the things he said he did as a job when he first came here, he used to work for Centrelink. And what he would do at Centrelink is he said, I was an interpreter. I would go on in there, and there was a big Sudanese population that migrated to Lismore. 
And so he said, I would go on in and uh, sit at Centrelink and the Sudanese would, would, would say things and I would interpret that Sudanese to English and then the Centrelink people I would interpret back. He said, I was an interpreter. I would take what one group of people were saying and make it legible and understandable to this other group of people. And I thought, what a great analogy of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. He's going to take what's mine. He's going to translate it to you in a language that you are going to get. You're going to understand it. See, I'm convinced that God leads us a lot more than we give him credit for. We just haven't learnt to discern his voice. We just haven't learnt to listen and to be able to pick his voice over all the myriad of other voices and decisions and things that are pulling us and dragging us off in different directions. But we need to learn how to be led because he promised that he would lead us. He promised that he would lead us. And we're not always going to get right. I found this story the other day, and men may relate to it. A father, he won a toy at the office game. So there were some games at his office and he won a toy. And he called his three kids together and he asked, which one of them did they think should have the present? And he said this, he said, who's the most obedient? The three children stared back at him in silence. Then he said, who never talks back to mother? Again, the kids appeared to be mystified by the question. Then the father asked, who does everything mother says? With that question, the kids were finally able to come to a conclusion. The three small voices all answered together, okay, Dad, you get the toy. (laughs) We don't always get it right. We don't always do everything that, that father says. But God still loves us and he still communicates to us. And just because we might not get it right here, it doesn't disqualify us. God wants to lead us. And you may have made lots of mistakes in hearing the voice of God, lots of mistakes in not allowing yourself to be led by God in the past, but it doesn't define your future. It does not define your future. We need to learn how to be led by God. Now, there are various and many ways in the Bible that the Holy Spirit leads people, and we see it throughout Scripture, and this is not a comprehensive list of how the Holy Spirit has led people in the past, but I just want to throw some thoughts out at you because I do believe that they're real. Romans 8 and verse 14 says this. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That word led in the Greek language is what they call a continuous phrase, continuous tense phrase. It means literally, for as many as are led, being regularly and continuously led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So who's a son or daughter of God here? Well, guess what? I can tell you now, according to Paul's theology anyway, you are being continuously led by the Spirit. He's continuously leading you. He's with you. He's speaking to you. He's trying to help you make right decisions, trying to help you make wise choices. He's trying to take you to fruitful places, places of growth, places where it's going to benefit you, your walk with him, your relationship with others. That's what he's doing because he's for you. He's not against you. Whoever is continuously led by the Spirit of God. Let me just throw in a little little um, uh, thing on the side here. It says, whoever is led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, not led by the prophets. Sorry treading on toes, don't mean to. But it does bug me that in New Testament times, people run all around the city, the town, the nation, trying to find a prophet to tell them what God's got to say to them. In the Old Testament, God would speak to prophets, and prophets would go to places and they would deliver the word of the Lord. On only a couple of occasions, we see a king or somebody going to a prophet to hear from him. Most of the time, the prophet was sent somewhere. In the New Testament, we've actually only got one mention of an actual prophet. A guy called Agabus, who travelled down in the book of Acts. The Bible says that Paul was in a particular city and there was a guy called Simon who had seven virgin daughters who prophesied. Speaking of the spiritual gift of prophecy, I'm not going there right now. 
But then it says there was a prophet called Agabus, and the Lord spoke to him, and he travelled from a distance to come to where Paul was, tied his hands with a belt, and delivered a specific word from God for that person. point I'm making is this. If God calls, has a word from a prophet for you, God will send a prophet to you. We don't chase prophets. Why would you run around chasing a prophetic word from a human being, from a person, when the Spirit of God dwells inside of you, and he will lead you? That's the promise of God for New Testament believers. We don't have to chase around the world to try to find words. God speaks to us. I believe in prophets, by the way. I'm not against them. I'm just saying this. I'm saying I see people that will leave churches or they'll, they'll, they'll this, this, and this, that, and they'll run around and just to, 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 to the greatest, newest, hottest, trendiest prophetic voice. And I think, man, you just run from thing to thing to thing. Just settle the issue. God's on the inside of you. The Spirit of God loves you. Your Father loves you. He's leading you. You don't need to be running all around. He's made a promise to you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Continuously led. The Holy Spirit is inside. Put your hand on your chest for a second. Think about this. It's a reality. The Spirit of the living God dwells in you. That is a biblical reality right now. Some of you might feel your heart beating in your chest. Some of you might not feel anything beating. Some of you are like the tin man in the Wizard of Oz, if I only had a heart. (laughs) But the Spirit of God, that is a biblical, spiritual reality that the Spirit of God dwells in your mortal bodies. That's what Paul says. The Spirit of God dwells in your mortal flesh. How amazing is that? And he's leading us and he's guiding us. Here's some of the ways that we see in the New Testament that God leads people. Dreams and visions. God can lead people. The Holy Spirit can lead people through dreams and through visions. Peter on the roof in Acts chapter 10 has this vision and a sheet comes down and so on. All these four-legged creatures and God says, don't call it dirty if I call it clean. He has this vision. Some of us have dreams. I've, I've had a, a couple of dreams in my whole life. But every now and then you'll have a dream and you just wake up and you just know that's not just bacon sandwich that was something more than a bacon sandwich, that one. There's something more in that. So I want to ask God about that. I want to, want to get some understanding on that. God can speak to us through dreams. Circumstances. God speaks and leads us sometimes through circumstances. Go to Galatians chapter 4. And Paul is saying to the Galatians, he's saying, the reason I came to you and preached to you is because I got sick. Read it. He says, I came to you because I was in a place of sickness. Nobody knows what the sickness was, but he says I was sick. And so I ended up in your presence because I was sick. And while I was there, I preached the gospel to you. I believe God led him there. God took him there. We've got, it's, it's a book of the Bible, Galatians, written to that region. There was something significant about that and significant about his encounters with them and the information he passed on to them and the stuff he taught them that it's been put in the pages of the Bible. God can lead us through circumstances. It can happen that way. Open or close doors. It's a reality. God can open doors of opportunity for us. He can do that. God can also close doors of opportunity for us and stop us walking through doors. Angelic visitations. Sometimes it's a reality. People have angelic visitations. We read about it in the New Testament, the book of Acts, angels appearing and so on. Um, I myself am probably blessed of God. I have more angelic visitations. I'm being serious. I have angelic visitations very regularly. Every morning about 7 o'clock I see an angel. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for my angelic visitations every day. That's points for those of you that are learning of me. <laughs> Audible voices. God can speak to us 
through audible voices. It is, it is true. God speaks through audible voices. I ended up in youth with a mission at 19 years of age. Um, just gotten saved. I'm in Coffs Harbour. I'm sitting in a Chinese restaurant. And I'm sitting in this Chinese restaurant, I'm having a meal, I look behind the guy opposite me, there's a fish tank there, in the fish tank is a lobster, when I look at the lobster, the lobster spoke to me. I kid you not, I don't know whether, it wasn't, it wasn't like that, but I looked at this lobster and I heard this audible voice, whether it was out there, in here, I don't know, but I heard a voice, it only happened probably once or twice my whole Christian walk, heard this voice say to me, I want you to, and gave me a course of direction that I had to take, which is part of the reason why I'm even standing here today, because I listened to the lobster when the lobster spoke. Lobsters speak to people. Audible voices, other people. God can give us direction through other people. God can lead us and speak to us through other people around us. So it's important, I believe, to, to, to stay in fellowship and stay connected with other believers because God can lead us through them as well. There's many, many ways that God can lead us and that the Holy Spirit does lead us. But here's the thing. Here's what I want to say today. All these are ways that God can and does lead us. However, these are also means by which the devil can lead us to. He can speak to you and give you an audible voice. He can appear. The Bible says he appears as an angel of light. He can open a door for you. He can close a door for you. He can speak through somebody to you. Because he's got a course of direction for your life as well. It's to take you from the order that God is building back to chaos. It's to take you from healing to sickness. It's to take you from, from wholeness to brokenness. That's, that's his agenda for your life, is to get you away from the things that God has for you. So... If God leads us that way, but the devil can lead us that way too, what is the discernible mark? What is that line in the sand? What is the thing whereby we can know and trust that something is most likely God? Now, keep in mind, I prefaced at the start, I'm not telling you a point by point how to hear God. Don't go away from here and say, Alan said because of this, that must be God. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm just throwing a few thoughts out at you to explore. I want to say this to you, the primary way, I believe, that the Spirit of God leads me is through that quiet inner peace. It's through a sense of inner peace. Let, 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 let me, let me let, go to this verse for me here. If you can open up your Bible there, you've got it there, go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. Two verses after, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Two verses after he makes that statement. Watch what Paul says. He says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I want you to see something here. There's two spirits happening. There's the Spirit of God bearing witness with another spirit. What's that other spirit? It's your spirit. When Adam and Eve ate the apple, God said to them, do that and you'll surely what? Die. Did they physically collapse and be no more? No, they did not physically die. They spiritually died. Mankind spiritually died at the fall. If you go to Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27... It says, speaking of the new birth, he says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Then he says, I'll take out your dead spirit. So it's in there, but it's dead. He says, I'll take out your dead spirit and I'll place in it a new spirit. And then I will take of my spirit and place it in your spirit. So when you were born again, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus... And Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nick goes, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Have you seen my mother? She's not going to be up for that. Jesus says, that's not how it works. 
He can't go back into the womb. I get it. He's speaking of a spiritual death. He's saying your spirit's dead. Your spirit has to come alive again through repentance and faith. Your spirit is reborn. God takes that dead spirit and he places a live spirit inside of you. Then he takes his spirit and puts his spirit inside your spirit. Paul's saying here in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the spirit himself, that Holy Spirit, bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. In other words, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are now in union. When your spirit and the spirit of God are in unity on an issue, the result is peace. On the inside of a New Testament believer. The result is peace. When your spirit, when you, when you decide to take a course of action and it's wrong, but the Holy Spirit's inside of you, when your spirit has made a decision to go here, but the Spirit of God knows that's wrong, guess what? You don't have that peace. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You have this thing on the inside of you. Sometimes you can explain it in words, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can describe it, sometimes you can't. But there's this sense inside of you that although everything's saying do this, go this direction, there's this thing inside of me and I don't have peace. I have a lack of peace. That's your spirit and the Holy Spirit. They're not in unity. And when your spirit and the Holy Spirit are not in unity, you don't have peace. And so we want to go over here and everything says to go over here. My advice is learn to listen to the peace. Learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit in your spirit and will probably make less silly decisions. I'm not saying that's the only thing that you do. I'm not saying don't seek counsel. You should be seeking counsel of other people. Uh, The way I look at it is this. The bigger the consequence from the decision, the more counsel I want to get. I mean, if I woke up this morning and thinking, should I have an egg sandwich or egg on toast? Should I cook the bread or not? I'm not going to ring up a whole bunch of Christian friends and say, look, I just don't know what to do here. Um, I'm a little, little unsure about it. I feel like I've got a piece. I think it might be okay to have the bread, but could you pray for me? Could you let me know what you feel the Lord's saying? Oh, you think toast? Well, I'm going to go back to God again. Sorry, thank you. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. But if I'm going to pack up my family and say, we're selling everything and we're going back over to India... I'm going to ask a few questions. I'm going to get some people to pray. I'm going to seek two or three other witnesses, people who in their spirit are going to go, yeah. Or they're going to go, no. But I'm listening for that peace on the inside of me. When the Spirit of God and my spirit are in unity, the result of that is peace. Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called in, one body and be thankful. The, the, the peace of God ruling in our hearts. When does the peace of God rule in your heart? When your spirit and his spirit on the inside of you are not clashing there in unity. You'll find peace on the inside of you. One of my favorite passages about prayer, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You got that up there, Luke? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. That's okay, I've got it here. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7, what's the result of that? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is the thing. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. That's why there are times where I have peace about a decision, a direction I have to make. You come and ask me why, and I can't explain to you why that's the right. I just have this thing on the inside of me that's saying that's the right decision. Everything might be saying do over here and do this, say that, go there, release that person, whatever, but there's something on the inside saying, no, no, this is the direction over here, and I've learned in my walk with God, I really need to take notice of that sense of peace and also take notice of that sense of restlessness because it's God trying to tell me something on the inside, the very place where the Spirit of God dwells. 
I'm not looking for a voice out here in the stars. or I'm looking in here, what's happening inside of me where the very Spirit of God dwells. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And I've learnt to listen to that peace. I wonder right now as I'm talking to you, can you think about decisions, times in your life where you haven't listened to that peace and you've stepped out and things have gone belly up. Things haven't panned out the way you should. I wonder how often has God tried to save us from making bad business decisions by making us uneasy, by us on the inside going, there's just something not right. And instead of stopping, we just think, I'll just barge through. I'll just keep on going anyway. How many of us have gotten ourselves into bad relationships because everything looked great on the surface, but inside we just did not listen to that, that voice of God, that sense of peace was gone. We didn't stop and go, okay, God, I don't have unity here. Something's not right. What am I not knowing? What, don't I, what, what direction am I heading that's not right? What information do I need? Who do I need to talk? What, God, come on, speak. Because my spirit and his spirit are not in unity on a particular issue. I wonder how many times has God tried to save us and tried to protect us and tried to help us. I remember when Jackie wanted to run from me. You're not going to find this hard to believe. She wanted to run from me at one point before we got married. Isn't that amazing? Look at me. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, she could have had this. And she, nearly, she ran. She wanted to run. It I, I baffles me to this day. I actually went to the Lord and said, Is she saved? Does she not see God? You know? But she did. We started dating and things were going okay. And then she just got cold feet and just decided to run. And you know what? I thought that's the end of it and it was all over. But you know what? When I made the decision that, okay, that's it, I was so unpeaceful on the inside. I really was. I had this sense of God going, that decision you're making, Alan, is wrong. You need to pray. You need to pray for this woman. You need to stay in that space. Don't just dump her and move on to the other bevy of beauties that are eyeing you off. You know? Stay the course, brother. Stay the course. And so I did. And guess what? Some short time later on, she rings me up and we have a coffee and she says, look, I just feel like it's God's doing something with me and so on. And here we are 23 years later. Because I've learned to listen to that little voice. I've learned to listen to that peace of God on the inside or listen to that lack of peace that's on the inside. Both of them are telling me something. One is saying the spirit of God and my spirit are in unity. The other is saying the spirit of God and myself are in disunity. Don't move when you don't have the peace of God. That's the motto that I live by. That's how I've tried to live my Christian walk. I'm always looking for that peace of God, that inward witness. And here's the thing. The inward witness is supernatural, but it's not always spectacular. And we gravitate to the spectacular. We want spectacular, don't we? We want lights in the sky. We want da, 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 da. Let me tell you something. Abraham didn't see a burning bush every day of his life. <laughs> Happened once. Happened once. Paul says, I remember going to the third heavens. Guess what? Happened once. Don't know how old Paul was when he died. We read these guys in the Bible and we think every day an angel appeared to them, an angel spoke to them every day. It was just like supernatural, spectacular. You know what? It wasn't the case. It just was not the case. I'll guarantee you that the, the, the New Testament saints in the book of Acts, when the Spirit came, I'll guarantee you that they were led the same way you and I are led today. That's why they could make decisions and head in directions that weren't necessarily right. We don't know how the Spirit of God in Acts 16 forbade them. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says they were heading in a direction the Spirit forbade them. We don't know what happened. It just says the Spirit stopped them. My guess is, I wonder if they were walking in that direction going, just, this just doesn't, every step we take, it just doesn't feel right. Let's stop. Let's reassess. Let's have a look. Let's go there because this ain't working. 
And then all of a sudden, it's just not working again. What's happening? And eventually Paul has this vision of a man in Macedonia. And they go. The Spirit forbade them. We don't know why. But I wonder whether it was a lack of peace on the inside of them. I want to finish with this. Finish with this. Acts chapter 15 and verse 28. Two, two quick verses to finish up. Acts 15 and verse 28 says this. The disciples had made this massive big decision. The Gentiles had gotten saved and the Jewish believers came to, the, to, the, to, to Jerusalem where the believers were, the centre of church decision back in the day. And they said, uh, we think it's great that God's accepted these guys, but they need to be circumcised because they need to obey the laws of Moses. And here's the decision that they came to. They decided, and look, we feel like God's already poured his spirit out upon them before they were circumcised. Why should we now add something to it when God was happy with them as they were? So they decided, no, this is not going to be the case. Okay? Praise God for that. Um, and so they wrote a letter, and they sent a letter off to these churches, these people, saying, here's what we believe. We just believe. Keep following God the way you are. God accepts you. And, and listen to the wording of it, Acts chapter 15. Verse 28, they said this, they said, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Isn't that an interesting way of wording a decision being made that has such incredible consequences for the history of the church? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. What are they saying? They're saying this, they're saying there's never 100% guarantees, but right now our spirit and the Holy Spirit seem to be at peace on this decision. Spirit of God and our spirit seem to be at peace. We, we don't think about this. We think that every decision these guys made was because they were 100%. We think that the confirmations of their choices were so huge that they didn't even need faith anymore. They did not even need faith when they made those decisions. Well, hang on a second. I'm, I'm reading here them going, you know, we think this is right. It seems good to the Spirit of God, seems good to us. We're going to go here. Let me tell you something. God will never confirm a step for you so wildly that you don't need faith. Every decision we make, every step we take is a step of faith. I'll finish up at Acts chapter 16 where we started. Acts chapter 16 and verse 10. After trying to go in this direction, trying to go in that direction, trying to go in this direction, Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia and Paul gathers his, his, his co-workers together and says, here's the vision I've had, man from Macedonia, blah, blah, blah. Now watch how they processed it. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. We came to a conclusion it just doesn't sound spectacular enough, does it? I mean, they had a vision. Why do you even need to conclude anything? A vision appeared to you, just do it. No, no, no. Because even back then, they still understood that, you know what, maybe it, was, it probably wasn't a bacon sandwich for the guys that didn't eat pork, but you know, there's, there, there were still other things that could come into play. God will never make it that clear 100% that a step I take is not going to be done in faith. There's always faith involved. But I do believe the number one thing that we need to look for before we step out and make decisions and choices and directions is look for the peace of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. If God did that, if the very first way that the Holy Spirit began to communicate with you, because that's what it's talking about, when you got saved, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit. If that's the way that God chooses to begin to lead you from the very beginning, I believe that's a pattern for the rest of our Christian walk. Amen? The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Follow the peace of God. Seek the peace of God on the inside. It's your spirit and it's the Holy Spirit. There's two dwelling inside. When they're in unity, there's peace. When they're out of unity, you'll feel it.
get used to sensing that and acting on that. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Lord, I thank you, Father, that each person here that surrendered their life to you, that each of us have that Spirit of God on the inside. Father, I thank you, God, that uh, when I came to you, Father, you gave me a new spirit and you placed your spirit in there, Father. So there's this dual habitation taking place on the inside of me, two of us inhabiting that space, two of us making decisions with this body of mine. And Lord, I just pray for each of us in this room that we would, we would uh, Father, learn more and more to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside. We would listen more and more to that sense of peace on the inside, God. When we feel that peace, that we'd step out in faith, knowing that you're calling us in a certain way. Father, when we don't have that peace, I pray, Lord, just remind us of this day, remind us of this message, when the peace of God is not there, that we wouldn't rush out and make choices and decisions, but we'd stop and we would reassess and we would get the new information we need, we would pray, we would ask questions, and we wouldn't step out until we have that sense of peace as a starting marker, Father. So, Lord, I, got a, I just thank you for everybody here. I pray as we go into the next week, Lord, in the next seven days, I pray each person in this room, God, give us a chance to tell somebody about you that doesn't yet know who you are. Father, set up divine appointments for every person in this room, a divine appointment this week to share the good news and the reality of Jesus Christ with someone who doesn't yet know you, Father. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless. Uh, we will see you guys in your connect groups. If you got connect this week, uh, I'll see you downtown if I walk past you. Um, if I don't walk past you, I'm not going to probably see you at all because our lives are probably not past but that's okay i still love you and you love me and i'm secure in our relationship even if we don't see each other for seven days we'll talk so we come back together and it's like i still love you do and she loves me too and i'm secure in that